So nice to sit with you all this evening, and uh, uh, I'm going to ask you to play your part in all of this by opening the the um, floor, if you will, for questions, questions, questions. Does anyone have a question? I have a, I have a lot of questions. Sure, one. I can't really. Uh, I want to ask you about the nature of temptation. Temptation? Yes. Or what, or what drives me to do things that are dangerous on, on purpose? That's one thing. That's mm-hmm. uh, discussed in Bhagavad Gita, actually. And um, Krishna gives us kind of a simple answer, but it's fairly profound. Um, and he says, actually, Arjuna asks the question, what is it that causes me to do things, it phrases it a little bit differently, but um, they're, they're not in my interest, even when I may know that they're not in my interest, and I do them anyway. And Krishna says, uh, what is it, Kama, Esha, Kodesha, Kama. He gives the answer, that Kama. Now, Kama is a Sanskrit word that means desire. Um, it's often translated as, as lust. Um, in a more, for well, for a couple of reasons, lust because lust is often is identified with sexuality and so forth, and and in sexuality we can probably get more distracted in than uh, in it, that it can consume all of the senses, so to speak, at at the same time, um, distracted from the inner, from self, its prospect. Um, but um, also, in a, in a broader sense, you know, we may lust for this, that, or, the, or, the, uh, or anything. Mm-hmm. Hanker for it, to thirst for it. Mm-hmm. Said it sounds like a kind of a simple answer, but um, it's pretty comprehensive at the same time. Um, and... Um, I guess you could say that 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 um, it's not the devil. Um, put it like that. In a sense, but then what? You know, to be fair, whether there's a, whether there's a devil, or, you know, within Christianity, I suppose is debatable. And, <laughs> in other words, many people may take it. Allegorically, and uh, and I suppose, and not necessarily um, personify the the, uh, the distracting or tempting influences and so forth. But from our uh, perspective in, in Vedanta, you have the self, and then you have the uh, material nature, and um, it's kind of twofold. Mm. Uh, it has certain constituents. We call that gunamaya. Guna means qualities. So, uh, maya is a word to refer to one of the shaktis of Krishna, the external shakti. Um, he has an internal shakti that bhakti is constituted of, and then he has we're we're constituted of a shakti that's could could come under one influence or the other. Maya Shakti or the or, or Bhakti, so we're sometimes referred to as marginal, hmm? or Tatasta. Tatasta means like the like the beach or the line that demarks water from sand. You can't put your finger on it. You're either wet or you're dry, but there seems to be a line there. <laughs> so the, the implication of that, with regard to ourselves, metaphysically speaking, is that um, as I sometimes have said in the past, that we are of a nature that lends itself to nurture. Now, we know that as human beings, that's the case, right? Our humanness is such that it can be nurtured in one direction or another. Karna, guna, sangha, so, sada, sada, So, as you associate, you will be nurtured or, or mal-nurtured in, in one direction or another and become like 
to a large extent, those influences that you associate with. And so, in a, uh, in a in an extended sense, then, well, if we associate with something, an influence outside of the influence of the material nature, then we have a prospect to come, a possibility, potential to come out from underneath that influence altogether. And that leads us to the, the, the other side of it. Uh, there is gunamaya, what maya is constituted of. You could say, like, what, what's matter constituted of? Hmm. And then jiva maya. Jiva maya means whatever it's constituted of, it has a, it has a kind of a diluting influence. Hmm. And maya also means that which is not. It appears one thing, but it's something else. Hmm. Um, so we, we readily experience to one extent or another, that there is an influence that deludes us to think something is other than what it is. And it's all too late when we find out that often that it's, it's other than what, it, what we thought it would be. So it's not, these are not just some obscure ideas to like, you have to dogmatically identify with. We, we see practically that, that this, is, this is the case in, in our lives and you're asking about it. Um, and... Um, so in our school of thought, then, we, we, we uh, attribute a certain power to um, the material nature, hmm? um, to, uh, to obscure hmm? and uh, delude and, and um, give an appearance of impermanence and... Uh, uh, cause us to experience life as, as if we're under threat of non-existence at, at some point, something like that. So, gunamaya and jivamaya. Hmm? Um, so, it, it's constituted of something. <laughs> and, of course, sacred texts talk about it in a particular way, and in modern society we talk about it in, 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 a, in a particular way, and, and, and in ways that change also how what matter is constituted of is, remains a huge subject. It's interesting because uh, there's a big, there's a, there's been considerable effort to reduce consciousness to matter, only to realize we don't even know what matter is yet, so we're going to hold off here. Uh, so, um, uh, but anyway, it has a diluting effect, jiva maya. So whatever it's constituted of is perhaps less important and what's more pertinent to us is it has a diluting influence, and we are, we are, we are under it, so we're distracted. So, um, you know, one of the ways in which we talk about its influence is with the word kama, and Krishna has invoked this word. Hmm. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's uh, Buddha used the term trish, trishna, thirst, thirst, for things, hmm? um, desire—it's the same idea. This, Krishna says desire is the problem. So, well, <laughs> that's a pretty. Uh, what causes me to desire things that aren't in my interest? But desire is the problem. <laughs> uh, something like that. He means the whole r- range of desires that arise from identification with the show of material nature, which is encore after encore. It keeps going. <laughs> it, never, it never stops. There's another number <laughs> and another number and, uh, and so forth. Um, and each one purports to be the one that will f- make your life f- fulfilled and complete and so forth. But, but it doesn't. It's, I've often said it's like continuous um, uh, offering of um, appetizers, but the full meal never comes. So the result, appetizers tend to be a little rich. So indigestion is the result. So, so there's uh, our, our very identification with matter, which is inevitable. I mean, the, the, that's the whole issue here. 
we are consciousness, we are identified with, with, mat, with matter. And consciousness has the power to identify itself, to project itself into, into things and give them meaning. As I've said, some, why our house has more meaning than somebody else's house, because we are in it. I don't mean that we're physically in it. We are, but, but we're also, it's, by saying it's mine, we, we've gone into it. We've identified with it. So if something in it breaks, it's a problem, because it's mine. If your house breaks, well, it's too bad. I hope it, you know, <laughs> hope you get it fixed, and you need to go back, you know, to whatever, to, to what's yours. So, what's yours is you. What, what's what's valuable is you. What's what's um, um, actually driving you is you, uh, as, as ourselves. But we but, but we project ourselves into matter and give it meaning, and then we think that our happiness will derive from it. So um, the idea is to sort that out and, and then pursue the self. But even in the context of trying to do that, think along those lines, then our conditioning from the influence of nature. Here we are, a, an entity that is of a certain nature, as I said, that lends itself to being nurtured. Well, we've been nurtured by the identification with material nature for, for, for a long time, forever, since the time without any, any beginning. So to come out of that is not difficult. Human life is the opportunity to come out of that, which is what distinguishes it from other forms of life. Um, here in human life, the, the opportunity to act voluntarily is, is, is increased to do something um, philanthropic, altruistic, make a sacrifice or, or something like that. In the less complex forms of life, you find less, um, uh, lesser, if, if any, expressions of such. Because the, the, the atma, the self, is not different in, in, in one sense in any species of life, but the form that it's in, hmm, um, as much as it's identified with that form, it it's accompanied by, the identification is accompanied by certain limitations. Hmm? Mm-hmm. And so the rational faculty is, is something that's part of, is prominent in human society. Abstract thought, we could say, in one sense, distinguishes us from less complex forms of life. And so we are uh, pressed with and perplexed by the question, why? Why am I? Why do I... You do things that aren't in my interest. Hmm. Um, why? Why am I? Why? It's a, it's not a how question. How to eat? How to sleep? How to protect yourself? Or something like that. These questions are answered by nature because hmm. they're relative to um, the body and the psycho, the biology and psychology. But why am I? Why? Questions of about value, about meaning and so forth. These, all such value and meaning is all derived subjectively. Hmm? Mm. You understand? We, 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 we give meaning to things. We call it a house. <laughs> what, you know, it's, what is it? It's just, uh, it is to us. What is it to some other species? So who knows what, what, how they think of it, right? Or if they think about it. So, Abstract thought, anyway, and 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 why and why means value, meaning, purpose, and so forth. And all of the whole realm of justice, purpose, meaning, value, right, wrong—it's all sub- subjective. It's all appearing um, uh, outside of the physical realm. It doesn't fit inside the physical realm. We many people in the Philosophical and scientific community try to fit it in there, but it's a, it's 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 difficult to fit in there. Hmm. So, we don't think that it fits in there. We we acknowledge that there is, is that the consciousness is, is is different from from matter, from things, and from thoughts and so forth. But it's in human life that's that's just coming to the fore. Hmm. In other forms of life, the the, the influence of material nature is more uh, overwhelming such that 
we can only pursue or think about basic uh, necessities for the most part, and not ponder purpose, meaning, and, and so on and so forth. Now, when we do, as human beings, and I think this is what you're talking about, we do ponder meaning and value, but we find, nonetheless, and even if we come to certain conclusions, that there's a force, it seems, that draws us in another, another direction. Hmm. I mean, have you ever done something that you, that you know is not in your interest? <laughs> so you might be better asked to, have you ever done otherwise you know, have you ever so uh, we do that hmm? and um, and so the reason that there's this tension to that causes that question to arise is because as human beings it won't arise in, in the less complex forms of life because they're not involved in such abstract thought about purpose and meaning, at least not to the same degree. Hmm? It really differentiates us um, uh, from less complex forms of life. And so, therefore, there's this tension. And what, and what the tension is, is that which is a unit of meaning and value, the self, is, is, is come, to the, come to the fore, to the front more in human form of life. It's a special form of life. If, if the material conditioning and influence and nurture is one that imposes limitations on the self, apparent limitations, um, you know, you, you may not be limited, but if you get put in jail, you'd be limited. You can do all the things on a limited scale because of the, the shape of the situation that you're in, something like that. So, um, so anyway, in, in, in human form of life, there, there there is this tension because the self is 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 um, uh, coming out. So, if we look at if we look at the influence of material nature as as limiting, um, inhibiting, um, uh, you could use a, a um, like an example of incarceration. There are different levels of incarceration. You could be in solitary confinement. You could be behind bars and get out every now and then, have a candy bar and a smoke. Or, what, or you, you could be, you know, it's under house arrest with a computer chip or something. Uh, different degrees of that. Uh, so to use that analogy, human life is kind of like being on parole, something like that. So you have um, freedom, more freedom, but with that comes certain responsibility also um, to behave. You can choose how to behave now. Whoa. (laughs) So it becomes a quandary, right? How to behave. And I may choose to behave in a certain way, but I find that I'm driven to, nonetheless, to, to, to behave in a different way. So what is the force? It's kind of your question that, 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 that does that. And that is the conditioning that we are coming f- from. Hmm? So in human life, we find this tension. The animals are not troubled by this, this, this kind of tension, how to behave. <laughs> they don't say, why did you do that? You know, um, one cow bumps another, you know. Okay, that's it. <laughs> but for us, there's this, there's, there's this, this, this tension, and the tension is because that that which is not part of material nature, that and that we are constituted of, is now coming to the surface, hmm? and and that's why I've said before, in human life, we tend to feel that we could do anything, and so therefore we feel. We could fly in the sky. We could dive to the bottom of the ocean. And we, so we get we build planes and submarines and so on and so forth. Unlike fish and birds, for example, a bird flies high in the sky, and as far as we know, doesn't think, "Boy, I'm sure would like to go to the bottom of the ocean." Hmm? And those in the bottom of the ocean don't think, "I sure would like to fly up into the into the into the sky." But we want to do both those things and everything else, also, and our 
reasoning about it is that is that is because actually the self is um, is only in a situation where it's temporarily limited by its circumstances and by its influence, but otherwise it can't be drowned by the water, it can't be killed by lack of oxygen uh, at high altitudes, uh, and so on and so forth. And it's feeling itself, it doesn't know it, and it tries to express what it's about hmm, by pursuing the experience of the world from every possible um, perspective. The point of Vedanta is you've already experienced that through so many different forms of life, better than you can. You know, you can. It's better to fly as a bird than in an airplane. There's much less risk and no fuels. Well, limited. Uh, no, no, no pollution as a result, and, uh, and so on and so forth. But so um, that our efforts, if you will, to be all that we can be, are misplaced, misdirected. We are something within that uh, is to be explored and, and realized is transcendent to all the limitations that material nature imposes in all forms of life. And, and that's what we feel we are, but without having good guidance as to how to go about pursuing that, instead we're building airplanes and submarines and, and so on and so forth. Um, and so, therefore... As they say, the human life is, is like this point of, of, of tension in, in a way that other forms of life um, are, 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 are not, and they, and they don't experience the same tension. But the tension is good. The tension is good because we, we, can, we, can, we can think it out, and then and why do I do things that are not in, in, in my interest? And then the ability to overcome that will be enhanced considerably by by reasoning about and hearing about what is in my interest. If my interest and the scope of my interest, the possibilities for me, only lie within uh, in relation to matter, hmm? by shifting the, the ground here or there, or changing the scenery, and so on and so forth. It's questionable whether we can get enough impetus, compelling impetus, to change our lives significantly, or even if they will change significantly by one adjustment or another adjustment. Obviously, you know, to be a, a homeless drug addict is is not the same as um, you know having a good I- income and whatever and uh, um, uh, house with a fire and so so forth and keep, keeping warm and there and, and there's philanthropic people altruistic people and then there are more selfish people so there are there's a gradation within within nature but um, whether any adjustment within the world it's uh, or in relation to, to to matter and that environment that nurture whether any adjustment is is um, in any sense of purpose, meaning, and value within that framework has enough power to uh, act as a compelling force to change. Hmm? Some do. I mean, obviously, more than others, you can get involved in some great campaigns to help save animals or starving people or the planet or whatever or whatnot. But um, um, it's somewhat... Um, what we are speaking about, I think, historically shows in human history has the, a, a spiritual ideal, has the greatest potential to um, serve as a compelling influence to change your life in such a way as to forego the te- to overcome the tension and f- and forego the temptation hmm, 
to do things that are, are not in, in, in your interest. And they, and they also, within our school of thought, of course, Vedanta, they also point out things that are not in our interest that we might have thought that were. We might distinguish one thing from another. We might think, hey, you know, smoking pot's better than drinking beer. <laughs> okay. Um, exactly. So, uh, 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 what we are talking about, what the Bhagavad Gita talks about, what the Buddha talks about, what, uh, what uh, all the great uh, spiritual and mystical traditions talk about, to one degree or another, they have something in common. While they have differences that are internal, that speak, from our perspective, of the nuanced nature of transcendence. Hmm? relative to the way in which it's approached, they all have some common ground in, in terms of their um, of weighing in on the, the, the influence of material uh, nature and, um, and the need to, to rise above that, and they give compelling um, reason uh, to, to, to pursue such a life and uh, set an example. That's why you have great traditions, because they were great saints, mystics, that, as we said earlier today, they weren't self-promoting, but people were promoting them and uh, attracted and drawn to them. So traditions, uh, different spiritual traditions form and so forth. So I think that this is uh, the basic answer to your question, is that this, this tension that we wonder about is what human life is about. And it's a good thing to know that there's, there is such a tension and think about it and ponder it and so forth uh, because it, it, that kind of questioning, inquiry, introspection and so forth is, um, is what human life is, is, most, uh, is most suited for. And um, if we ask the questions in the, in the right place, then we may get a wealth of, 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 of insight into, into how important that question is and, and how, how important it is to, is to fortify oneself in one's pursuit of uh, rising above those influences that cause me to do things that with my own intellect I can understand are not in my interest. The problem here is that with my, in one sense, my intellect, with my intellect I can understand it's not in my interest, but I do it anyway. So it, it, it implies that intellect is, is a little weak unto itself hmm, in terms of affording us the capacity, the strength to forego the, the, the temptation or whatever, however you want to re- refer to it. Um, it. Just like, let's say psychologically speaking, we may have a psychological dysfunction we may not know it, but with good guidance, we may become aware of it. Hmm? That because of our childhood, we've been wired in a certain way, and so we are we default in a certain way that causes this problem and so forth. Well, that intellectual understanding is not sufficient hmm, to solve the problem. It's a good start. Hmm? Okay, I know I've got a problem, and I know what it is abstractly, theoretically, and so forth but I'm still saddled with the problem. And so we need a, a kind of a non-rational means to actually overcome it, some type of emotion. It's an emotional problem, so some emotional means will be more suitable and, 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 and capable of, of uh, suitable for dealing with, capable of dealing with the problem, rectifying, changing, bringing about the change. Hmm? So, also, what we're talking about in a, in a larger, in an extended sense, we can understand theoretically, but still, you know, so it implies that the, the uh, intellectual, the, the power of intellect is, is, is somewhat weak. Hmm? Um, you know, another way we say that love knows... Love knows no reason, so it may be well-reasoned. You shouldn't go out with him. He's not good for you. But still we go, driven by the emotion and, and so forth. Um, so so we are advocating that something, not that you don't use your intellect, but, the, but that there's something, the power 
greater than intellect that we can reason about and reason as to the value of embracing it, a trans-rational exercise, like the chanting, for example. Hmm? Um, a, a stilling of, of, of the mind and, and a clearing of the chitta, of the consciousness, and so forth, um, by which then these habits formed in youth, and youth means anadi karma, and there's no beginning to our material existence. So how long have we been conditioned in a particular way? There's no, there's no beginning to that. So, so now we're just coming out of it as human beings. It's a great opportunity. If we can combine, therefore it said, if you can combine the human life, which enables you to think in an abstract way and so forth, and, and experience the tension on some level, even just on a material level, um, if you have that human life, that vehicle, and you have sadhusanga. Sadhusanga means saint, so saintly association. Then you have all you need to, to you have the power, potential to cross over. Because sadhusanga means this other nurturing influence, the influence of bhakti. So you have the maya shakti, you have the sarup shakti or bhakti. And they're both in the world, and they have no, and the, they're always in the world. There's no beginning to karma, there's no beginning to bhakti. The difference, though, is that there can be an end to your karma. Hmm? Well, karma goes on. Your karma can end, and by the power of bhakti. Mm-hmm. So, superior uh, association is kind of the solution to the problem. And, and I think that when we, when we ponder the tension that you, 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 know, you, that, that you bring up, and so forth, we, 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 we Inherent in your question is the sense of your own, and I mean the collectively, our, our weakness. Hmm? There's a weakness that we have. Hmm? So, you know, you're not going to get over it but physically or even by, uh, what I'm saying, even by a mental or intellectual exercise unto itself. Hmm? It, it will be insufficient to overcome that conditioning, that influence. It, the, the, we are strong when we understand our weakness. Hmm? When we understand our weakness, then we're in, a, we're, in a, we're in a strong position because, well, we can ask for help, hmm? assuming that help is, is available. And the chanting is like that. It's like a cry in a, in a, in a basic sense for help. Hmm? Um, so, again, the, the question is good, um, the, uh, and, and there is a solution to it, but it, 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 it comes from outside of ourself, so to speak. Hmm? Otherwise, why we're in this condition to begin with? Yes, we're a unit of Satchitananda, but, 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 but still we're, we're small, and so in the face of the entirety of material nature, the spark of the fire, can be obscured by the smoke in a way that the fire uh, cannot. Hmm? And so we're like the spark. We can be obscured. Smoke also comes from fire. So the maya, the material nature, it's also an energy of Krishna. Krishna is the fire. Hmm? Smoke is the material nature in this analogy. We are the sparks. And the heat and light of the fire hmm, are the are the luminosity, the knowledge, and the heat, the feeling, the love, the sambit and the ladini of Krishna's internal energy. You can and you can so Krishna. You can think of God as the fire, and it generates heat, light, sparks, smoke, without trying. It's just part of the, you know, what happens, what it is. Hmm? And these are the, these, and then you have in this four things. You have the fire, you have its energy of heat and light, you have the spark and you have the smoke. Now when you go to the smoke, you've got something that's part of fire, in that sense it's one with fire, but it's more different than it is one. Fire 
illumines and lights and, uh, and smoke obscures. They're opposites in terms of their, their influence, but, um, but still from the same part, part of the same phenomena. Hmm? And then you have the spark. So again, we're the spark. So we're, we could thrive in the fire. We could also live in the smoke, but, but we don't have enough power of illumination unto ourself to dispel the smoke. Hmm? So we can be a spark in the smoke. Hmm? This is kind of our present uh, condition. Or we can come within the influence of the heat and, and light. So we're, we can go one way or the other way. Hmm? Right? So we're the marginal in between, the tatasta. And then heat and light, they're so much like fire that it's hard to separate from fire. What is fire without heat and light? You could kind of imagine fire without sparks or fire without smoke, but fire without heat and light. So this is bhakti, this internal energy of Krishna. It's more like Krishna than it is different from Krishna. It is different, but more like. Hmm? Smoke is more different, but it's also like because it's part of the fire. It's not separate from the fire. Hmm? Um, so the fire is God. This, this, the, the heat and light, this is the... Heat means feeling, so... Ladini, bliss, ananda, love. And light means luminosity, knowing, samvit, awareness, consciousness, cognizance. Hmm? Certain kind of comprehensive knowing and 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 subsequent um, joy or happiness that um, that, uh, that involves behaving, acting in a, in, in a certain way. This is the, the world of, of bhakti, so to speak. Hmm? So this this is kind of the, the picture of Godivedanta of, of reality. It's got these basic components. Hmm? And, um, and and in, in, in the analogy, we're we're the, we're the spark. So we have to come. If we come under the influence of the heat and the light, then then we kind of let, let's say to use another analogy. Let's say I have some money, and I've got great ideas, but it's not enough to make them happen. Hmm? So if I connect with a person who has more capital. Hmm? then they can be realized. Hmm? Right, so by connecting with the Sarup Shakti, then we increase our capital. And the power then to overcome the smoke hmm, is, becomes ours. So the solution is, uh, the, the, the problem is part, the solution is partly within us. Hmm? In, in, in it, in it, if it weren't for us, there wouldn't be a problem. But uh, <laughs> we didn't, if it wasn't a cognizant being, you know, a, a, a unit of consciousness, um, uh, and with some lending ourselves to good association, getting theoretical understanding, applying it, and so forth, um, then from outside of ourselves, we can find a solution to the problem. Hmm. So when I say, you know, why am I, why am I, why am I weak? That's kind of what you're saying. You know, well, we all are. And that's a strength then to begin to understand one's weakness. Then, then it, there's a hope. Hmm? You know, you take someone, for example, who's addicted to drugs, and they say, I'm not addicted. So I could give it up if I wanted to. You know? Then you know, it's just, it's, 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 He's already gone here. You know, it's just going to get worse from here hmm? until there's some acknowledgement that there's a problem. Hmm? And our problem is obvious. Again, very simply, as I said earlier, have you ever done something that you knew with your intelligence was not in your interest? <laughs> well, yeah, a few times today, you know, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a problem. It's a problem for everybody. And intelligence is not sufficient to solve the problem. Hmm? You could become very intelligent and you could, you know, let's have some power. Hmm? But, but it has its limitations also. 
power of reasoning has its limitations. Hmm? And also there's many ways in which you can reason. You could end up reasoning that actually it was okay what I did. I wanted to get over that. And I, so you can, you can just go round and round and round in circles with reasoning. Hmm? So you hear you know, debates on certain issues. The reason we identify with one or the other is usually largely psychological. Hmm? Otherwise, there's arguments on either side. And, hmm? um, so, therefore, the position in Vedanta is that, that reason and argumentation is, is not something that unto itself can give you real um, permanent standing, hmm? conclusive, conclusive knowledge or, or, or wisdom. Hmm? But that doesn't mean it doesn't have a place. It has an important role. So use it. I mean, you have to use it to have this kind of discussion. Hmm? Um, but um, we're introducing the idea that hmm, we're not introducing, we're, we're talking about the idea that, that there's a um, the solution to the problem lies in one sense beyond ourself, but in another sense not beyond ourself because the spark is part of the fire. Hmm? So understanding more what we are as a derived, we're a derived unit of, of, of being, knowing and loving. We have a source. Hmm? And so to connect with that, in, so in that sense, it's, it, the solution is not beyond ourself. It, it lies within our potential. We, we, we have our, our nature that lends itself to nurture. We, we, we have a potentiality. Hmm? We're dynamic unit of, of, of being, so we have a potentiality. But um, that potentiality involves or includes uh, understanding what we're connected with. That's what was the position of Brahma at the dawn of creation in the Bhagavatam. He, he, he wanted to know his, his source. Hmm? He, couldn't, he, couldn't, he couldn't answer, this is the question, right? where am I from? Where, you know, where did I come from? This is like, what am I? Why am I? This kind of question arises. As far as we know, the birds and the bees and the trees aren't asking those kind of questions. They're like, well, you know, make honey. <laughs> What's the problem? <laughs> um, uh, so, for humans, then, we can ask this kind of uh, question and... Um, what was it? Anyway, so this is uh, Brahma. He he couldn't understand. I can't figure it all out. Hmm? And so then he was sincere and earnest in his desire um, to know. And so the, this he got a response. The sound tapa came. These two syllables in the Sanskrit alphabet tapa, which mean the way of knowing. Hmm? Is, is is sacrifice hmm? that you will get, you will attain what you're looking for by giving up, which is backwards kind of thinking. It's it's not it's, it, it wouldn't seem that life would proceed like that. So you have this Darwinian kind of perspective. Like you have to get at the cost of others. Eh, you have to take at the cost of others in order to, to get and proceed and survive and so forth. Hmm. And um, this idea is kind of survival of the, the kindest uh, or, or the acknowledging my lack of fitness. I can, uh, I can survive. Hmm. I can transcend. So, he, so he, he, then he went within. He began to meditate and so forth. And uh, this gave rise to ultimately the appearance of of, of he who uttered the sound, the tapa. Hmm. So, so the problem again is solved in one sense from help beyond ourselves, but that means beyond our present um, condition, but um, not beyond our our potential. We have a potential, and if we have the right environment. Ah, then it would be easy to overcome these, um, this influence. But the fact that it's not, I guess, is totally, completely understandable and reasonable because 
for how, as I said, ha- habits formed in youth are difficult to to overcome. There's a poem or something like that, or a song. Maybe they didn't get it right, but this is that's the point. Um, so ha- habits we've been influenced by an environment for a time without beginning, hmm? karmic influence, and uh, in that cycle. So it will take some time to come out, but there's the good association from another environment, a spiritual environment, that is very powerful. I mean, it's basically ignorance that you're talking about. And so the solution is, 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 is knowledge. And bhakti is certainly a form of knowledge. Krishna says, Rajavidyam, Rajaguhyam, the full face of knowledge, bhakti. So ignorance, darkness cannot stand in the presence of light, right? So you have to come in the, in the, in the, in the presence of, of light. We have to bring ourselves in the presence of the light. And again, we, we can go either way. We can be nourished on one side or the other. So if we take advantage of this positive spiritual nourishment and so forth, I mean, it, it, we, we can become, even materially speaking, hmm, what the best of materialists would like to become and says we should be. You know, there are materialistic people uh, as a philosophy, uh, materialistic, um, embracing materialism and think that we still should be good people, even though there's no real meaning to life. We should, you know, find our own meaning and, 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 and well, they have to admit that the very thing that we're talking about and striving for is the same thing they're striving for. And we see when they get a Rumi and a Jesus and a, you know, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Rupa Goswami, we'll listen to them a little bit more. But till that, it's, it's, uh, it's just to just talk. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, we have some, you know, success on this side of people really rising above the, the human passions or harnessing them. It's basically what you're talking about. Hmm. Krishna says this, 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 this lust that distracts us, this desire, it's seated in the intelligence, in the mind, and in the senses or in the body. And one of the implications of that is that you cannot solve the problem with the body, with the mind, with the intellect. The problem is in those things to begin with. So under themselves... They can't solve the problem. Now they can be utilized in the context of solving the problem with help from beyond that that influence. Hmm? And that's what we're, what we're involved in as sadhakas, as practitioners. How's that? There's a lot to think about there, but it's... it's, it's, it's uh, Would you say that that is... I don't want to question. No, no, it's fine. Uh-huh. But um, the um, what you just talked about. What do you think the relationship between that and like the idea of wanting to like wanting to experience all these things all at the same time? I mean, more, like uh, last night, walking back just to drive down to the, you know, the place we're staying, looking up at the stars. I just wanted to like stay there. Mm-hmm. I wanted that experience to see the stars there for, for that long. You know, it seems like that's still an attachment to this experience. Mm-hmm. Is, you know, why do I want that for me? You know? mm-hmm. Is there some relationship there? Is that something else? I think, yeah, I think there's, there's, it's not a, um, properly understood, it's not a problem to um, be, um, to, uh, I guess what I would say, appreciate and express some sense of awe and wonder about the the world. Um, I'll, I'll give you an example. Once I'm a sannyasi, means a renunciate, so certain vows of renunciation and lifestyle and so forth, uh, I embraced in 1975. And... Um, Shortly after that, this was this time of year in India, shortly after that, Prabhupada, my Guru Maharaj, came to America. And at that time, we had acquired a building in Manhattan 
It was an 11-story building. He began his mission in the Bowery in New York on the streets as a homeless person coming from India, just chanting. And that was in like 1965. So 10 years later, he had, he had a room on the 11th floor of this building that, that, that had come, that Krishna had provided for him, so to speak, to look back over New York and, you know, that he had been, that Bhakti had had, had uh, by the influence of Bhakti, he had, his material situation had improved, he improved the lives of so many people and so on and so forth. Anyway, he was on the 11th floor and it was a rooftop garden there. It wasn't a fancy place or anything, but it was, it was, it was nice. Um, and so I was, um, not, actually, not on the rooftop, but it, no, I think, but it, but it, in, in his room, and you know, you could see the skyline of New York. And I was young, maybe twenty-five years old, and the renunciate, right? So, Prabhupada said to me, "Have you seen the New York women?" And I'm thinking, <laughs> "What is he testing me?" Or what? Yeah. He said, "They are so beautiful." Hmm? And then he went on speaking about them, and, and, then, and then as he as he went on, um, he, he 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 said, and he can kind of concluded. He said, and they capture by their beauty the men, and as a result, all these buildings have gone up like this. And and, and then he said, this is Vishnu Maya. <laughs> <laughs> he was just, you know, he, he could contemplate material nature with awe and reverence, but he, but without seeing it separate, seeing it for what it is, and not seeing it separate from God. So we can look at nature. I mean, it's 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 incredible. You can even look at the accomplishments of humankind. You can stand and look at the moon and think people went there. How the heck? And I was like, wow, that's pretty. Incredible to sit there, you know, on a piece of paper or whatever, a computer, and and you know, a lot of faith in math, you know, <laughs> you know like Columbus, you know, he sailed across the ocean, right? Hmm? It's incredible, incredible. So there's 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 no harm in that in 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 in, in being inspired by the way things work and so forth if we have a larger context in which we understand that in, and, and, and how much, therefore, would be the conclusion, if Vishnu's maya is so incredible, hmm, what must Vishnu be like? Something like that. Hmm? So, for example, in the Bhagavatam, there are sections describing the world and so forth, talking about the nature of matter and, and so on, and, the, and there, it's talked about in such a way that we may meditate on the world hmm? and the, the result of which would be, would be the promotion of our spiritual uh, pursuit. Hmm? Um, the fifth canto of the Bhagavatam largely consists of answer an answer to a question like that by the Raj, the king. Um, he, he asked Sukadev, can you talk about the material nature and, and how it works and so forth and, um, because it belongs to, it also belongs to, it's the smoke. Hmm? Right, it comes from God. It's part of God, and so there must be a way to, by understanding it, that I can understand more about God. And so then he launches in this long explanation, kind of a that that's that's said to be a, a, a description of of the world for yogis to meditate on, uh, not for devotees. They're supposed to meditate on the form of God. But anyway, it's a complex. So, but anyway, it's a it's a way of talking about nature, hmm? and. Um, and so in the Bhagavatam, repeatedly there are um, there is this uh, uh, another example the the description of the world. That's a peacock, um, in which the world is viewed as a form of God. So its eyes are the sun and the moon. The trees are the hair on its body. And this recommendation, this this description, is given by Sukadev when he begins to speak to the king. He says, look at it like this first. Because you're attached to the world. Hmm? That's the problem. But let's make that attachment part of the solution and, and look at the world and describe it in this way. Describe God in relation to the world. So there's a place for that. I mean, you can go here and go in the redwood forests. And I mean, 
It's incredible. You walk in the forest. You should go down to Handy Woods, for example. There's big, big, big trees there. You know, really big trees, right? And you walk amongst those trees, and you will get. There's a potential to get displaced, in terms of how we ordinarily walk and think. I'm walking, and I'm seeing everything. I'm the subject here. Hmm? Right, and suddenly you walk amongst these trees, you start feeling like they're the subject. I'm the object, I'm, I, and that's good. Kind of, it can you can have an epiphany, even. You can drive out here just 13 miles to Elk, and then you're at the ocean, and it looks like it's infinite hmm? and awe-inspiring. So, so, so these um, are. Um, it's not incompatible. Hmm? People get epiphanies by by just the vastness of nature, the complexity of nature, the the order of it, and the disorder of it. Um, even in science, there are people in science who go, "Why do we need God?" Just like, "Wow, the world is just fascinating." Hmm? And it is. It's true. Vishnu Maya. It's like, "Whoa." Hmm? The Bhagavatam says you you really can't understand it. You can't grasp it. Arrested in the fist of your intellect. Um, and you can get some epiphany by that, uh, from that. What we are just, we're doing is just building on that. That's not the sum and substance of transcendent experience. Sometimes people do that. They go to the, climb the mountaintop and they get a feeling and they go, I know what those religious people are talking about. I have that feeling. Hmm? But we're talking about something more. That we're talking about honing that feeling, of, which displaces me, which makes us feel like, I'm small. What's out there? The stars. It's like, wow. I mean, you don't just look at it. It's not just the eye candy thing. It goes, there's kind of like a feeling like, whoa, it's beautiful. And what is it? And what, where am I? And it's, it's, it's good. So that's good. It's a kind of a beginning type of epiphany insight where you, 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 you feel, I'm small. There's a wonder to the world. And, and so it creates kind of like a fertile ground then for um, uh, receiving knowledge and understanding it and so forth so um, no you know so that doesn't have to be incompatible with uh, the spiritual pursuit we I give a good example of Prabhupada he was looking at beautiful women and thinking and he you know he was a renunciate himself he had no attraction but he thought well it's fascinating hmm. does that help yeah. yeah. It's said that the that nature, the natural environment, is has a sattvic influence upon the the, the self. Sattvic means it's it's an influence of nature that's illuminating, relatively speaking, hmm? uh, brings clarity, and this is a form of the clarity. I'm small. It's vast. Hmm? It doesn't matter if you look up and out in a Broadway or you look inside, inside the atom and then inside that, and well, where does it go? It's like, you should come away from it with not a sense of, yes, we're going to control it all. It's just a matter of time here. We're going to control it. That seems very profane to think like that. You're going to control it all. It's, it's, I'm big. I think that the, the truly, the true investigation of nature by, by a truly scientific, in the sense, unbiased approach, it, 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 it really creates a wonder. Hmm? A wonder. Hmm? And that's good, which means an openness. You might not be swayed by fundamentalist religious, you know, arguments and so forth, but for good reason too. But, but um, that kind of openness is 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 um, what we are cultivating here. Hmm? Slightly different approach, and we think it has the prospect to take a little further. But um, anyway. What else? What time is it now? I think we've spoken for quite a while. No, oh, it's only 7.40. But 
it's nice to sit with you all, and tomorrow starts again at 6 a.m. Now we'll, we'll stop, rest for a moment, and take some prasad. Hmm? Okay? Sri Sri Gaurnatananda ki jai, Gaurpani Mahamotsava ki jai, Gaur Bhaktavrinda ki jai, Gaur Premanande, Vanchakalpaturubhyas jagapasindubheva chapatitanam bhavanibhivashnavi gunamunam, Nantakuri Vashnavrindu ki jai, Gaur Premanande.